Hi, I'm Janae Myers, CEO of Chicago Cares, and welcome to How Chicago Cares, our new weekly podcast series exploring how Chicagoans can care for one another and make an impact during COVID and beyond. I first want to take a moment to stand in solidarity with all those who are angry and grieving right now as people of color continue to be unjustly targeted in our country and in our city. As the city's leading provider of volunteerism, Chicago Cares is committed to helping us expand our definition of what it means to serve, to connect, and to support one another, especially in these challenging times. Using your voice, educating yourself about, and joining efforts to advocate for change, and donating to causes and organizations working on racial justice and equity all count as service. And learning how we got here and what we can do about it is an essential activity that we can be doing right now. So during this terrible week, when so many of us are eager to take action, I urge you to take meaningful steps to foster greater understanding, self-reflection, and empathy. Chicago Cares has shared anti-racism and advocacy resources on social media, and we encourage you to join us as you can. On today's episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing James Rudnick, Executive Director of the Northwest Side Housing Center, about how Chicagoans can support the incredible work already happening in neighborhoods across the city. But before we get to our conversation with James, I want to share a quick spotlight of how one very special Chicagoan is caring right now. Susie, who lives in the West Loop, was looking for a way to give back and get involved in her community during the pandemic. She found Chicago Cares in our volunteer effort to text out reminders about the 2020 census. Susie loved her first experience so much, she even signed up to lead future texting sessions. She's found a creative and impactful way to support her city, even while physical distancing. You too can volunteer for Chicago Cares census efforts by going to chicagocares.org census. Way to go, Susie. So now let me tell you how amazing James is. He became the executive director of Northwest Side Housing Center eight years ago. The Northwest Side Housing Center's mission is to improve the economic well-being and quality of life in Belmont, Cragen and the surrounding communities. And since 2012, James has led the organization's growth from a team of eight to 27 and increased their annual operating budget by over 400%. He's a graduate of the Latino Policy Forum's Leadership Academy, as well as an inaugural fellow in the University of Chicago's Civic Leadership Academy. He is a dynamic and innovative community leader, and I'm excited for you to get to know him. James, welcome to How Chicago Cares. You're our inaugural guest, so let's get started by telling our listeners a little bit about Belmont Cragen and Northwest Side Housing Center. Sure. Thanks, Janae, uh, and thank you to Chicago Cares for having uh, Northwest Side Housing Center and myself on today. My name is James Rudick. I'm the executive director of Northwest Side Housing Center, and we're a 17-year-old community organization that focuses on Belmont Cragen and the Northwest Side. Uh, Belmont Cragen is one of the largest community areas in Chicago. It has over 80,000 residents um, based on the last American Community Survey data, and estimates are now that it's closer to 90,000. Uh, of those residents, 80% identify as Latinx, making us one of the largest Latinx communities in the city, as well as the fastest growing Latinx community. Uh, Belmont Cragen's roots and history 
um, are as an Eastern European and Polish neighborhood. So over the last 20 years, we've seen that shift uh, from Eastern European to Latinx. We're also a very young community. Uh, one third of our community is age 18 and under. So we have a lot of youth in Belmont Cragen, um, again, approximately around 27,000 um, youth. The other thing about Belmont Cragen is that most uh, people don't realize that though we're on the cusp of the west and northwest sides, we're often looped into a north side community, not a south or west side community. Despite our demographics, our, our income, uh, the number of adults with high school education, the number of Spanish speakers, the number of undocumented undocumented immigrants actually uh, mirrors that of many South Side communities. Because so oftentimes people hear North Side on the city of Chicago and they think affluence, right? And yet that is not the case in Belmont Reagan. So how can Chicagoans who actually care get involved with neighborhood-led revitalization efforts? And how can you use volunteers in Belmont Reagan? Yeah, that's a great question. And maybe a little bit more about the Northwest Side Housing Center. Our work falls into two main categories. One is free programs and services that we offer out of out of our office, out of our organization. And most of those focus on housing and financial assistance. And so we have HUD certified housing counselors and financial coaches who provide that service to thousands of residents a year. Then we have a community organizing team that manages all of our external work in the community. That work focuses on youth, parents, homeowners, renters, older adults and businesses. And that's the work that we partner so deeply with Chicago Cares on to help bring resources and additional volunteers and additional support to the community. In that work, we work in three senior buildings with older adults that are 55 and better that currently are isolated in place. So we've been making weekly wellness calls to those older adults, checking in on them, seeing how they're doing as a result of COVID-19 and the coronavirus pandemic. So we have a team of about 15 volunteers currently that are making those 100 plus calls a week. So we're always looking for volunteers to help support by calling uh, with us. We have a script and we have a weekly team meeting where we go over what we're saying and checking in on important things from the census to COVID-19 testing to food insecurity. So it's definitely one way that individuals can get involved and help support our work. In addition to that, we're working with mutual aid to help make sure that necessary items food, PPE, masks, gloves, sanitizers are distributed to the community. So we've been working with Chicago Cares already and others to help bring in resources to our community and distribute those resources. So if individuals have the financial means or they have supplies or PPE within their reach, we will gladly take it and help distribute it to the over 80,000 residents of Belmont Cragen. Which is so awesome to be able to do that and be providing that kind of centralized resource for your folks because as many people in Chicago know, so many neighborhoods were hit hard this week with um, some of the rioting and looting that have, has happened across the city and folks uh, just don't have access to grocery stores to get food, to get some of the basic necessities. So those kind of supplies and access is really key and important and something that we're certainly working together on to act as rapidly as possible. So. When we talk about what's happening this week, right, um, and this moment in time that we are here in Chicago, I think it's important for us, James, to have a conversation about allyship. Um, our hearts are just so heavy as our city and our country really continue to confront this history of systematic racial injustice. And as leaders in the nonprofit sector, we really have an obligation to use our privilege for a more equitable future and for our neighbors. Yeah, thanks, Janae. And I think this past week has been one of the most challenging of my professional career. 
uh, particularly given the state of, of the global pandemic and then the state of a, a different type of pandemic in historical racism and systemic oppression that has uh, continued to hurt communities of color, not only in Chicago, but really across the country and the world. And so it's been a difficult time to, to even wrap our heads around and think about how do we show up and what does that look like? And I think uh, where I've landed after the past several days is that the first step is is showing up. And something that I've thought about is that we live in a cancel culture where it's really easy to cancel someone or write them off or uh, you know just d decide that, that they're no longer important or part of your circle and network. And I think that only further divides us and only further gives into the divisiveness and uh, the values that white supremacy and racism hold. And so for me, it's about opening up a space and then stepping back as a, as a leader in a predominantly community of, of color to allow those from the community and those staff that represent the community to lead in whatever way that looks like them. And I think the challenge is how do we create spaces for people to lead and have opportunities to uh, navigate and, and lead and the conversation without asking them to have a burden of representation, right? Or asking them to speak on behalf of an entire community or take on even more oppression or more trauma than they already have. And so I think the key is finding that balance. And I think that happens through relationships and through authenticity. And again, it brings me back to the shared values that Chicago Cares and Northwest Side Housing Center have among building relationships between and among our community and the support that we get from you all and the corporations that come to volunteer and show up in the neighborhood. So for me, it's really about bringing all of that together. And I think doing things like this and having an honest, authentic conversation and missed everything that happens is leaning into that, which is so important and hopefully a model for everyone else out there on how to have these conversations. We have to be in relationship with each other to even start and begin the dialogue, right? I think that's a key piece that's so important. And I'll say last night I was out um, helping with a, uh, a protest demonstration with um, a, a bunch of faith-based leaders on the South side. And it was really incredible to be a part of, but my favorite part of the night was walking the 20 blocks back from the route to where my car was parked with uh, an African-American woman who was part of this church. And just the conversation that we had, we recognized the differences, but wow, we found so many pieces of commonality in that conversation and understanding. And while we didn't agree on everything, we heard each other. And I think that listening, the thing that you said about listening is so key right now. So we're thinking about all these brands that are coming out with statements around equity and what's happening. So as institutions, Chicago Cares and Northwest Side Housing, how are you thinking about positioning the institution besides just what needs to be done individually? Yeah, I think it's a great and, and really timely question to ask. And for us, um, we let, again, our staff decide how and if they wanted to issue a statement and what that would look like. And I'm really proud that that statement came from the team, not from the board or myself or from leadership, but actually from the entire organization that was able to craft something. But we also agreed that that statement is only one small piece in a much larger puzzle that includes action. And I do think sometimes that uh, organizations use their uh, bully pit pulpit of being able to say or communicate a message as a checkbox for what allyship is or means. And so I think this is a time where yeah. 
relationship and and in love we have to call on those organizations to do better and do more it's not just enough to say that you you know condemn white supremacy or you condemn what's happening and you condemn racism those practices and those acts also have to be eradicated in your circles of influence in your organizations and that means promoting leaders of color providing opportunity for people of color not only to be hired but be part of your organizations institutionalizing values that are not white heteronormative values. And I think all of that work is the hard, tough work that still hasn't happened in a lot of organizations. The majority of CEOs in Fortune 500 companies are still straight white men. And I think until we can have that conversation coupled with these statements condemning white supremacy is when we're gonna see real change. And so it's tough because people are moving in the right direction and I see that and I believe that that their heart's in it, but we, we have to do more. Otherwise, everything that we're doing is in vain. Yep. I couldn't agree with you more because it's that action piece, right? It's one thing to speak on it. It's one thing to make a declaration, but back it up, right? Like how are you really backing that up with those actions and doing all those internal steps that you're saying? And I know we as Chicago Cares have been committed to that. And over the last three, four years have really been dedicating ourselves as an organization to work on those things, but we have a very long way to go. We all play this just collective role in impacting all of these critical issues in our community. And, you know, the work on the Northwest side, uh, again, predominantly Latinx community, what kind of ways do you think allyship can show up in your community? Yeah, that's um, another great question. For us, allyship for for the Belmont-Cragen community shows up in a few different ways. I think first and foremost is to advocate for policies, systems, and structures that include undocumented immigrants. About uh, officially 12 to 13% of our community is undocumented based on um, official statistics. We think it's more like 20 to 25% of our community that's undocumented. And any policy that excludes you know, up to a quarter of our community is not a policy that supports our community. And so we know Unfortunately, in this country, in this moment, there are federal policies that not only leave out, but actually hurt undocumented immigrants like public charge that says if you're going to use a public service, you can be deported and and removed from this country. And despite Chicago's protections and all that we're doing here locally to fight against that, that's the reality of so much of so, so many of our community. And so I think allyship looks like speaking out against that. And that's hard because it may not directly affect you and it may seem like it's it's high level and it's structural and it's, and it's institutional. But if we don't have that conversation with those in our lives about how that's impacting real people and that's why things are the way that they are, I think we're missing connecting the dots. And so for us, that's kind of first and foremost in how we ask folks to show up. I think secondly, we can and, and do welcome the support. We need the help. We have volunteers that have created murals, that have cleaned corridors, that have painted schools, that have helped faith-based institutions in our community. So we need the support. And what that looks like for us is having them come and help, but not always lead. And I think that's something that I've been really impressed by the Chicago Cares model, that there's deep relationship building and institutional understanding and awareness ahead of service. And then service is a moment in time in a much broader and longer relationship where our organizations come together and those volunteers come together with us versus coming in, putting out a press release, dropping in with hundreds of people, you know, kind of doing something for a day and then leaving. I think that's the old model of of doing good. And I think what, what Chicago Cares is advancing is a more equitable uh, model of supporting communities and letting them lead. And that to me uh, is, is unique, but also I think is how 
support for our community looks and is why we value the partnership and we've continued it because it it's the right type of partnership for us and for our community. Thank you for that. And I mean, we we say time and time again about how we approach our work. Listen, we first have to listen. And second, we need to be invited. Right. When we talk about the work that needs to be done in communities, uh, the assistance that's needed on so many different kind of levels, but it has to start with really listening to what the community partners saying, what those needs are, and then following right uh, that invite of how to participate and what that looks like. Because I think oftentimes, and it's just the way of the world that we live in, right? That so many folks have a concept of what that's going to look like, and they've kind of written the story without again asking the questions and being curious and being open to that. So us trying to flip the script a little bit with how we work with our corporate partners, how we think about um, that perspective, I think is super important. And I think that that goes back to everything we had said earlier about just personal allyship and what that means of the how to listen, how to move forward, et cetera. And I think it's just an awesome opportunity. I also wanted to say, as you were talking about just um, the demographics in your community and undocumented folks, the even for the the federal relief that came down um, through the through the CARES Act, there are these things called PPP loans. And as I was filling out the PPP loan, there sure was a question that said, "Do any of your employees are they not documented citizens?" And if you checked that box, you would not have qualified for that loan. So the amount of, uh, again, discriminatory practices that are inequitable, even in just resource uh, distribution, it just it is still rampant. It still exists. And it's unfortunate because folks that really need the resources aren't able to get them. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I mean, it's yet another example and maybe, again, a timely and relevant one now in a long history of, of institutional and systemic discrimination and racism and white supremacy. And so when folks wonder why we are where we're at today or what's special or unique about this moment or why people are so upset, I mean, it, it's for, for us, right, we can sit here and in 20 minutes, we've named several examples right off the top of our head in just the last few weeks alone, let, about, uh, let alone the last few hundred years and how those examples continue to show up in different ways in people's lives. And so I think, again, part of our job as allies and showing up in this conversation is to speak that conversation, right, and let folks know because that question wasn't publicized, right, and that wasn't part of the, the media's covering of the PPP loans and of that process. And so how do we speak truth to power and share that story and message with the community to say that this is happening throughout all of our work and we have to stand up and, and fight against it. And that systematic piece, I think, is so important for people to remember that it's it's as um, heady as the air that we breathe, that you are born into a system that just exists. And we all take the cues from the existing system. And until we again start to dismantle some of that, we're not going to see the change that we want to see. But that means educating folks on what those issues are, getting them to take some kind of action so they can see what true equity would really look like. So it's hard work. And I just, you know, thank you so much for all that you all are doing in your team in Belmont Cragen, the incredible partnership that we have. That's so amazing. I'd like to ask you just some final thoughts that you might want to share with us about just how Chicagoans can advocate for truly a more vibrant and equitable city. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate you thanking us, um, but I think really the thanks goes to you and the Chicago Cares team for a partnership, again, that's deeply rooted in in shared value and, and in relationship. And so I appreciate um, and I'm thankful to, to you and the whole team for that. Um, I think final thoughts are just a reminder not to forget this moment in time and not to forget the hundreds of years that have brought us here and the past several weeks that on top of the hundreds of years have brought us here and how the new norm has impacted us and our lives and, and, and how can we use this moment and take it moving forward to re-envision uh, a city, a community, a neighborhood that we wanna see that is more racially equitable that doesn't advance systemic oppression and white supremacy. And I think these are now conversations that have come into the mainstream for the first time in a long time for a lot of us. And so we have to use this opportunity. We have to use the privilege that we hold to do exactly this because a lot of these small actions of small groups of people or small organizations coming together is what's gonna change the world. It's not gonna be you know, one false swoop of or one thing that happens, it's going to be all of us chipping away at it. And this is what that looks like. So again, I'm grateful to be here and be in this moment and share and spread the message. And I just uplift what we're doing and that we can continue to do that moving forward so that this message doesn't get lost and that this becomes the point where we look back and say, you know, June 2020 was the time that we saw the world really shift back the way that we wanted it to be. And, and I'm hopeful and I'm inspired with what I've seen that 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 can happen. Yeah, no, same, uh, same, same. And again, the awareness is heightened to such a sense that it has never quite felt like this, at least in my lifetime. Uh, and, and I'm hopeful that we can, again, look back and see the history, acknowledge it and figure out how to do things differently, because I think we've been doing things the same way for time and we all need to do it a little differently so thank you so much for all your insights and this just incredible work you're doing on Chicago's northwest side and James we could use a million more of you uh, so here at how Chicago cares we really would like to wrap up our interviews with a word association game so are you up for it I, I'm, okay. I'm ready <laughs> okay, so these are the rules. Um, I'm going to give you a word or phrase, and you tell me the first word or phrase that then pops into your head. So I'll start. Got it? Got it. Ready. Okay. okay. Ready? Lake. Oh, um, ah, lake. Uh, front. <laughs> Got it. Summer. Biking. Chicago. Diversity. Neighborhood. Belmont Cragen. COVID-19. Fight. Volunteers. Chicago-cares. <laughs> <laughs> Allyship. Uh, white privilege. Impact. Volunteer. Civic engagement. Community. Hope. Future. Yes, I love all of that. And thank you for ending us with just such a positive note. I always love your energy and to be connected um, on so many different levels. This, this partnership runs deep and we can't thank you enough. So thanks, James, for joining us. Thank you for having me. 
That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to How Chicago Cares, our weekly podcast series exploring how Chicagoans can care for one another and make an impact during COVID and beyond. There are still many ways we can step up to support our neighbors and make an impact, and Chicago Cares is here to help you do that. Visit chicagocares.org today to start your volunteer journey. A huge thank you to our guest, James Rudnick, for joining us today to discuss allyship and how we can contribute to important community efforts happening in our city. Join us again next week when I'll be joined by Michelle Morales, president of the Woods Fund, to discuss how the COVID-19 pandemic has made structural inequalities more visible and what we can do about it. Until then, I'm Janae Myers. Let's challenge ourselves to continue expanding our definition of what it means to serve one another so the city can become more vibrant and equitable for all. Thank you for caring, Chicago. 